what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. This episode of The Caregiver Community is sponsored by Pace at Home. During this uncertain time, Pace at Home is enrolling participants who wish to continue to remain at home. Partnering with families, Pace at Home provides caring medical support for all of our program's participants. Visit us on our website or give us a call at 828-468-3980 to talk with a representative that can discuss with you the Pace at Home all-inclusive medical approach. Pace at Home is the champion for seniors wishing to remain in their community. Welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a place where we talk about the joys and the challenges of caring for our aging parents as well as caring for ourselves. I'm Frances Paul, founder and executive director of ACAP, Adult Children of Aging Parents. There are now an estimated 20 million adult children in the United States and many more millions worldwide who are caring for aging parents and are concerned about their own life as they age. In this podcast, we are talking about finding the joy in caregiving, how we may look for, find, and cultivate joy in the caregiving journey. Our interviewee for this podcast is Dr. Corinne Amon. Dr. Amon is an experienced university-level educator, researcher, and entrepreneur. She received her doctorate in developmental psychology with a specialty in adult and aging from North Carolina State University and did her postdoctoral training at the Duke University Center for Aging. She is president of Choice Care Navigators and the author of the blog, rockingchairsecrets.com. That sounds fun. She also is a member of the ACAP Guilford County Leadership Team and is part of the ACAP's Curriculum Advisory Council. Hi, Corinne. Thank you for being with us. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. We're delighted. We also have Mark Hensley with us as a co-interviewer. Mark is the Associate State Director of AARP North Carolina, the Chair of the ACAP Community Board of Directors, and is a frequent speaker regarding all sorts of issues related to aging, caregiving, and dementia. Mark, we are glad you're here also. It's my pleasure. I think you're going to take it off, aren't you, Mark? Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Francis. So, Corinne, what got you interested in the joy of caregiving? Um, so, you know, the thing about working with caregivers is that you always hear about how tough that job is. And it really is tough on a day to day basis. No matter how well you do it, there are always going to be days when it seems like absolutely nothing is going right. And even the words we use around caregiving are fairly negative. We say things like caregiver burden um, that has this very, you know, not so great connotation to it. And yet in working with caregivers over the years, uh, you would be amazed at the number of things or that they talk about that are actually positive that come out of their caregiving experience. So they say things like, I'm getting time with mom that I would have never had otherwise. 
or my kids are getting to see an example of what it really means to care for and love your parents. Um, or my siblings and I are talking more than we have in decades. So those positive outcomes don't get nearly enough attention um, and because we, we tend to focus so much on the negative parts. Good, good to know, good to know, and you're absolutely right. Um, so Corinne, as, as caregivers and families are thinking about the caregiving journey, what questions should, be, should they be asking themselves to find the joy in the caregiving journey? So it's things like, you know, pausing to say, what good is coming out of this? I think when we're in the middle of caregiving and it's been a stressful day, you know, it's, we're all tired. I'm taking that moment to say, what's good that happened today? And, and we can all do this, right? Like they talk about keeping gratitude journals and it's good for all of us to kind of stop at the end of our hectic days and go, what happened today that was positive in some way? But it's really important for caregivers to say, you know, what, what really happened today that was good? Even if I had a really stressful day with my mom who has dementia, you know, did we laugh? Was there a moment of connection? Um, and keeping track of that so that we can reflect on it and say, okay, there were good things that came out of this. Um, so thinking about what's good that's happened that day, what's going right, so that you can think about the small joys uh, as you move through the journey. The other thing that I hear a lot of giver, a lot of caregivers talk about is the skills that they've gained, um, that they found out that they could do things that they never knew they could do. If you had asked them prior to caregiving, would you be able to take care of your mom or dad? Would you have the patience, the stamina? Um, and then they realized that they, they can do it. They're capable. They had that within themselves and they didn't realize that before. So Dr. Allman, if caregivers are struggling to really see the good or find the joy, what might help them cultivate it? So there's a lot of things caregivers can do to cultivate joy. You know, if you're, if you're struggling to find that moment of happiness as you're going through caregiving for your parent or an aging loved one, um, there are some really simple things that you can try to try to bring those moments about, those moments of joy and moments of connection. So things like playing music. Um, there's lots of research now that shows that music helps stimulate parts of the brain that um, we when we have music playing for people who have any sort of dementia or Alzheimer's, it kind of brings them back. They remember that music. And so if you know that your loved one liked a particular genre of music or a particular song, playing that music is a great way to have a moment of connection because they will react to that music that they loved just the way they did um, when they were younger. There's even a, a video, many of you may have seen it um, not that long ago, of that was on YouTube of a dancer. And she's in the retirement home and they play a song that she danced to when she was a young woman. And on the YouTube video, they have the video, like a thing of, of her dancing from when she was younger. 
beside the pic, the video from her as she's listening to it now uh, in the nursing home. And you can see her kind of sit up and try to start doing the movements just because she remembers and it kind of brings her back. And it, it's just wonderful to watch the connection, but that it brings between her and her caregivers and the joy that it brought her to hear that music. And it's so simple. I mean, you know, we, we have music at our fingertips. So, so playing things like that. Um, the other things, like if you know your loved one has a favorite meal that they eat on a regular basis or that they loved when they were younger, something they grew up eating, you know, fix that meal or order it on takeout if that's possible. But having that favorite meal, because it may stimulate memories it may stimulate conversation about, oh, do you remember that time we all got together at grandma so-and-so's house? And so you can reminisce about uh, the memories associated with that favorite food. And, you know, family recipes, if there's something that's been passed down, you know, that's got a lot of history associated with it and will help with that connection between family members. You know, as you are talking about all of that, my mother passed five years ago, but I can still remember some of those, as I called them, sweet times. You know, the statement or the the activity or just the look on her face that it was like, ah, I'm so uh, I'm so pleased, you know, that this that this is happening. And it's really so comforting for me to think about those kinds of times. You know, because yeah, there there is a good bit of um, challenges uh, with with the caregiving, but it is. I think part of what you're saying is that yes, we need to be as intentional about focusing on the the good and the joy as we are just you know trying trying to do whatever needs to be done. Is that part of it? Absolutely. I, I think when you're in the middle of caregiving, um, it's a lot of times survival day to day because you're trying to, most caregivers are trying to care for their aging loved one. They're trying to still work a job. They may be trying to care for children of their own at the same time. And so your day may be to-do list, to-do list, to-do list. Let me just get everything done and survive. Everybody got fed and clothed and we made it to the next day. Um, and being able to step back from that and look for those, I love that term, sweet moments. Because that's, that's I mean, that's the joy right there, that sweet moment. And that's the thing that you remember. And I, I have no doubt that you remember all the hard stuff too. That's why you started ACAP and are trying to help others through that. But at the same time, you know, that that's not really where you focus your memories. You focus your memories on those sweet moments, those moments of joy and connection that you had with her. Right, right. It, kind of along those lines, then you talked a minute ago about gratitude journal. Would you recommend, you know, and I've been there, done that. I know what it is to get to the end of the day and you just collapsing, you're falling into bed. But would you recommend, you know, if, if people have, feel like they have the time or just even two, three minutes, would you recommend doing a gratitude journal or journaling um, about the caregiving journey? Absolutely. 
absolutely. You can you can certainly journal about the whole journey. Um, I think if you're really trying to cultivate joy and and the positive pieces, I mean, keep a joy journal or a gratitude journal, and you know, write down take take the one minute it takes at the end of the day, right before you go to sleep, and write down three things, you know, two things. One thing, if it was only, you know, that that's all you can think of, but just take that moment to write those things down so that you end the day on a positive note. And so that as you move through the journey, you have this, this journal of all those sweet moments, all those happy things. Um, I've actually kept a journal kind of like that. I'm not currently caregiving Um, But I've kept a a gratitude journal and I just write down three things every day that were positive. They don't have to be super. It's nothing super big. You know, it can be that I got to eat my favorite snack. It can be that I got to talk to somebody I hadn't talked to in a long time. But anything, nothing is too big or too small. I think sometimes when we think, oh, I've got to I've got to write down things that made me happy or that it needs to be something you know, it made me super happy. It was really big. And and that's not it at all. Just small things are just as important as the big things. And then as you do that, you know, I have years worth of these now that I can kind of go back through and look at and, and you really see that's a really happy thing to go back and look through those moments and, and all the things that happened that were good. Oh, I love that idea, particularly particularly as we're caregiving, to be able to have that to look back on years later when when our loved one is gone. Love that idea. Wish I had known that five years ago. (laughs) Wish I had thought about doing that five years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask a question that that may be, well, at any rate, my question is, how important is it to... um, <clears throat> to, I guess, to either surround ourselves with people who can help us see the joy, um, or at minimum, that when we find ourselves just so in the in the midst of the the struggles of caregiving, how important is it to have at least one other person who's not Pollyanna? You know, not trying to be just, oh, it's wonderful. Everything is wonderful. But somebody who realistically can help us, help us find the joy and help us find those sweet moments in the midst of everything. I mean, I think it's, it's always important to have that person that you can talk to. Um, this is why caregiving support groups are uh, essential for a lot of caregivers, um, because you're exactly right. Um, our friends, our neighbors, if they've not gone through the caregiving experience, uh, they may have the very best intentions, uh, but they they may just not get it. And they're like, oh, I, and I've, I've heard caregivers uh, say before, you know, they, they may have had a bad day and they're saying to a friend or neighbor, oh, you know, it's been so hard. And the friend or neighbor will be like, oh, but you're so lucky that you get that time or you're so lucky that you you know, still have mom or dad or whoever it is with you. And and they have the very best of intentions. But in that moment, when you are struggling, um, 
you you kind of need somebody who knows what it's like to to talk to about it and and that person can be your sounding board for the struggles but then also the joys because that's the person who's going to be able to have those moments with you where you laugh rather than cry because it's really really hard but you're you know something funny happened and and you're allowed to laugh at it they'll they'll get that whereas folks who haven't gone through the journey don't always, even though they have the very best intentions. So finding a caregiver support group, finding other people in your neighborhood, um, friends or families who have gone through similar journeys, I think is essential because nobody can do this alone. It's just too much. um, And you need that kind of support. Right. Even if it's one other person who really, as I call it, gets it. One other person. Really gets it. Yeah. 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 Is there anything else we need to be thinking about as we are looking for joy in caregiving? So the the other things that I kind of have on my list of joy creating um, activities, you know, these are not, um, they're all things that bring everyone joy. I mean, even the things we've already mentioned about music and food, you know, those are things that bring every family together and bring joy to people. And the same is true with things like getting active, you know, exercise makes you feel better, getting outside. So taking your loved one on a walk, if they're able, um, going outside yourself and taking the walk, um, playing games with your loved one. If there's something your loved one liked to do, if it was, you know, crossword puzzles or Sudoku or, you know, any sort of game that you can continue to play together, those kinds of things. And again, these are things that all families like to do. I think sometimes um, we think that we have to treat that elderly loved one or that person differently because they have a disease progression or maybe they have Alzheimer's or dementia, things like that. And the thing is, most of the time, what they really want is to be treated the same. They, they want to know that they're still part of the family and they're still part of the activities and that you want to be around them just as much as anything else. And so continuing to do those same things, um, family gatherings, holiday traditions, things like that will be essential in continuing to create joy amongst your family members and your relationship with your loved one. This podcast is sponsored by Jackson Creative a custom communication agency located in downtown Hickory, North Carolina, specializing in online content creation. To learn more, visit thejacksoncreative.com. Jackson Creative, we tell your story. Dr. Allman, my caregiving journey turned into a a lot of to-do lists. And I stopped and realized that one of the things on my to-do list was not was what you've been talking about, and and I didn't incorporate what I call pleasant events. And I remember very clearly remembering that it was a beautiful day, and to coax my mother outside, I got Kentucky Fried Chicken, and we had a picnic. Um, and I'll never forget that. But <clears throat> um, do you, can you say a little bit about the care recipient having choice and voice? in their care. Absolutely. So I love that example of, you know, you knew something that she would like that would entice her 
into this activity with you that now, you know, however much time has passed, you still remember. It's that sweet moment of we got the Kentucky Fried Chicken and we got outside. Um, so, you know, doing things with your loved one that uh, that they're going to love. And I'm going to sometimes with our, our loved ones when we're caregiving, we really want to protect them and keep them safe and keep them healthy. And so their doctors have done things like recommended a low salt diet and no sugar and all of these things that, um, you know, our doctors tell us, right? And so sometimes you just have to go for the thing that's going to bring joy. And if it's the Kentucky Fried Chicken or if it's the chocolate or I've had families that said their moms, you know, really love the refrigerated cookie dough. And that was the thing that if they brought her that, you know, she was like a different person. Sometimes you just have to, to go for the sweets or go for the fried chicken to have that engagement in that moment together. I am not advocating for that to be the only thing anybody eats, <laughs> but again, we're back to the it's the connection, it's the memory, it's that um, moment, food bringing people together that that you had that is really important for your mental health and for their mental health as you move through that caregiving journey together. Because you're right, it can become a to-do list so fast. And then you're at the end of the day and you're exhausted and going, what, what am I doing and why? <laughs> And how can I, how can I make this better? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are there other things you had mentioned some other things on your list? Is there anything else that we have not covered? I don't think so. I think we have actually covered most of them. The only other thing I might mention, um, you know, I mentioned holidays earlier. Um, Those I think sometimes people, when you say holidays and like celebrating holidays, making it a special occasion, we think about like Christmas and Thanksgiving and birthdays. But, you know, if you do a Google search, uh, you can find that today is, you know, National Taco Day or it's National, you know, Eat a Burrito Day, whatever it is. And I know families that do that as a way to make things different on a day-to-day basis to have, you know, today is a celebration of whatever it is. And so you can celebrate the big things, absolutely the big holidays, but you can celebrate little things all year long. It does not have to be Christmas for us to say, what can we do to make today special and different and add some variety to the day-to-day experience? Right, right. I'm going to put in a plug for something that we did in ACAP in a very, very early, early year for, um, for the ACAP Hickory chapter. We had, prof- had a professional photographer come and do pictures of the adult child and their parent, or some of them, I remember one family came in with like, oh, I think, I, I think they had everybody, um, children adult children and their children and nieces and nephews i mean it was this this big family but i have heard so many people comment on that and that how meaningful it was just to have pictures made and of course we all have our have cameras with us now 
with our on our phones. But just to be again intentional to remember at some point to get some photos of mom and dad with their children or their grandchildren or a whole family portrait, family picture that includes them. Because you know it's awfully easy to wake up one day and go, oh, I don't have any of those pictures, and there's there's no way to get them now. You know, so so that would be one thing that I would certainly encourage, and just the memories around that event, um, having the pictures made. People have talked about what a what a sweet time that was for them. I think our cameras have almost worked against us in in that way, in the sense that because they are so ubiquitous, we have them everywhere all the time. We don't think about making that effort to get everybody together and have an actual picture made of the family. And in particular, you're right. We don't think about, we think about having children, adult children, sorry, adults and their children. There we go you know, as a family picture, we don't necessarily think about having adult children and their parents go take pictures. And so making that effort to get everybody together, you know, it's an effort. And we think, oh, we can do it anytime because we've got our cameras with us all the time. But we don't. (laughs) We don't actually make the effort to get the picture taken because that means coordinating, getting everybody in the same room at the same time. Yeah. Right. What a great idea. And whether it's everybody, that certainly is the ideal. But even if it's just you know, two people, the, the mother or father and one adult child, it's just such special, it's truly memory making. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have the tangible. Here is, here is the, the memory of the memory. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll, yeah. You'll have forever and treasure it. Right. Right, right. Mark, you have all kinds of wealth of experiences, both personally and professionally. Is there anything that you would want to add to this? So I love to throw spaghetti at the wall. So Dr. Allman, let's just just throw out things that can be what those pleasant events are. And I've made these lists. And of course, it's very specific to your loved one. But, you know, take the time and the money to go get a pedicure or a manicure. Um, uh, you know, make them feel beautiful. Um, you know, if if you're dealing with cognitive impairment, give choice, but choice within limits. Would you like to wear this shirt or this shirt? Um, that's an easy choice, not opening the whole closet. Um, food experiences we've already talked about. Do you have some others to throw out there and build that list of pleasant events? Well, I mean, I think some of the things we, I love that idea of you know, choice <clears throat> and limits uh, because you're right. I think it can be overwhelming. If I, you know, one of, one of the things on my list is play games, right? And it can be really overwhelming. It's like, okay, play games, right? There's a million different games out there. So thinking about, okay, do we want to play Scrapple or do we want to play checkers? You know, giving giving those choices, but also thinking about what did your loved one like to do? So my grandfather was a checkers player and we, you know, he would play forever if you'd let him. Um, and and you were will, you were willing to play against him, but he was even someone who would play against himself. He would like play and then turn the board around and, and turn and do that. And so... Um, you know, what did your loved one like to do? And 
giving them the opportunities to do those things. Because yeah, if you, if I just say, you know, you go to Target and buy some games, well, there's a lot of games and it can get really overwhelming, but thinking about what they like to do and giving them choices within that is ideal. Same thing with almost anything else on the list, getting active. If you're going to you know, try to get them outside, do you want to go for a walk outside? Do you want to go for a walk at the mall? You know, some people like to shop. Maybe that would make them feel better. Um, those kinds of things are you know, just great opportunities that really don't, they don't cost much of anything to do. Right. Even a, a ride in the car to look at the leaves or to see the foliage, uh, or drive by a lake and just look at natural beauty, getting them out of that sedentary state, getting them in a new environment. Um, fresh air is always a good thing. But if you have a loved one that um, has limited mobility, one of the things that I found is very valuable is what we call professionally is a rummage box, but you can just get a, a bunch of pictures, some some baubles and th- things that you would find in a drawer and put that in a box and sit it in their lap and say, would you please help me sort these things out? And immediately they have an activity that can actually go on for over an hour looking at photos, making stacks of things that are similar in size or color the list can go on and on. I've even seen a caregiver sit and pull ribbon out and, and hand mom the scissors and say, okay, cut it here. And they pull out another one and cut it here. It was a repetitive activity, but overdoing that, they were having conversations. So they keeping those idle hands busy. Yeah, so what? It didn't matter the length of the ribbon. It was just something to do that was keeping the hands busy while they were having conversation. I've seen people do that same sort of thing, um, cutting coupons. So they get like the coupon sheets out of the paper. They don't really care that much about the coupons, but they ask their their loved one to to cut the coupons. And however they do it is fine. But the whole point is to yeah, keep their hands busy and then they can talk or watch TV or do other things. But they're they're doing keeping them engaged by giving them something to do. And this also brings home another point that. A lot of older adults, when they are being cared for, they still want to feel useful. They still want to feel productive. And that is something that brings them joy to feel like they are still contributing in some way. And so, you know, asking them to do something for you, even if it's just to keep idle hands busy, cut the coupons, cut the ribbon, do whatever it is you know, that actually makes them feel like they are still a functioning adult and part of the family and can help you that it's not just, oh, you're always helping me, you're always caring for me, that they're actually giving something back to you. And we all know that when we're helping other people, that makes us feel good. And that's, that's something that doesn't go away. The older adult care recipient still wants to feel that way. Folding laundry, especially towels, matching up socks, that that makes you feel like you're contributing. And in a lot of cases, it could be, but even if they don't get it right, it doesn't matter. Um, here, here's a basket full of towels, fold them up. It doesn't matter how they're folded. And then giving that gratitude, thank you, you're helping me out. That usefulness is so important to every person. Um, 
but I can say I, I fell into a trap of seeing my caregiving is almost like a job with a to-do list. And I had to break that cycle. I had to purposefully make the decision to break that cycle. Do you have any advice for caregivers that have maybe teenage children, how to incorporate this them into this process? Uh, I know that my daughter, when we eventually were going to long-term care to visit my mother, she just kind of looked around and didn't know what to say or do. Any advice in that area? I mean, I think to me, it's back to trying to do the same kinds of things, those same family traditions and things that you would have done before. So if, if that teenage grandchild played a game, you know, checkers or chess or whatever it was with that grandparent, if that grandparent is still capable of doing that, then that's what you take it. You take it with you to the assisted living so that they can play or you make sure it's there because you're absolutely right. Especially with teenagers, they, they tend to want to just kind of fall back and look at their phone, but anytime they feel any social anxiety, (laughs) like I'm just going to fall back and um, not engage. And so making sure that they can still do the same kinds of things with their grandparent, you know, great aunt, great uncle, whoever it is, um, will help them maintain that connection. So I'm sitting here hearing caregivers, family members who say, this sounds great, but that is just one more to do for me of orchestrating all of this. So what is the benefit for the, the family member, the caregiver, for, for taking the time to look through some different eyes and put together um, a, some different activities in the caregiving. So what I hear from caregivers, because you're absolutely right, it's one more thing to do. It's one more thing in a long list of, you know, oh, no, okay, now I've got to find something for them to do, or I've got to go get a game, and I've got to stop and play the game or get the food, you know, the recipe, those kinds of things. But what I hear from caregivers is that when they do that, when they pause long enough to play the game, even if it's short, five, 10 minutes, that it is actually a huge stress relief because they do stop. And instead of to do, to do, to do, they stop and they engage with their loved one and they can actually talk to them that it's you know, it's five or 10 minutes that they can relax in some ways, because then they're not being a caregiver anymore for those few minutes. They're just having a relationship with their parent or their loved one. Um, And so, and that, I think, you know, caregiving is a job and you sometimes need a break and those few minutes doing something different to try to cultivate joy can give you that mental health break that you need. And so it's worth it. It's worth it to try to carve out those few minutes to to do these things. And what a great note to end this on. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Corinne Almond. This has been really good because you're absolutely right that that it, and Mark, exactly what you were saying, it was It can be such a long list of to-dos. And so to stop, to break that for just a few moments and truly to engage makes all the difference in the world. 
now as well as in the future for people who are in that caregiving. So thank you. Thank you for helping us see. Here's some different eyes, Dr. Alman. And thank you for being here and for all your wisdom and insight. And Mark, thank you for all of your wisdom and insight and experience with, um, with caregiving, both personally as well as professionally. We also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us. We hope this has been helpful and that you will share this podcast with others you think may benefit also. Before we end, we also want to thank Pace at Home in Hickory, North Carolina, our sponsor for this podcast. We are indeed grateful for their support. This program is part of the Mesh Network of online shows and podcasts. You may find more of our Caregiver Community podcasts on any of the platforms where you listen to podcasts, including our website, acapcommunity.org. While you're on our site, we hope you will take a few minutes to learn more about ACAP, our educational programs, and our local chapters. And if there are other topics you'd like for us to address as a podcast, please let us know, and you can do that on our website also. As we say so often in ACAP, regardless of your background, your education, your career, or anything else, when it's your mother, your father, your loved one, caring for and advocating for that person becomes very personal and extremely important. So please care well for your loved ones, but also remember to take care of you. Stay well. Bye for now. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.